You're listening to Tahlequah United Methodist Church's Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy listening to the podcast and connect with us online at TahlequahUMC.org. May you be blessed by the hearing and reading of Scripture and the meditation on the Word. Have a good day. Please pray with me. Oh, Lord. Lord, we pray. Speak in this place, in the calming of our minds and in the longing of our hearts, by the words of my lips and in the thoughts that we form. Speak, O Lord, for your servants listen. Amen. Well, this is my last Sunday as an opportunity to to be the uh, to to give the sermon. I'm so blessed for the opportunity that I've had with you all the last four weeks. Pastor Matt will be back in next Sunday, even though he's supposed to have a little bit more time off. He is coming back, and so I'm very grateful for the opportunity that I have been blessed with. Though, and today we close out the series, and I am waiting, God. And by Barbara Bruce, Barb Bruce, and it's been a great, great series. And this is no, I, we we close on a high note, I believe, talking about Martha. I'm going to the book of John, chapter 11. Now I will just be reading verses 20 through 26. I will share some of it in my sermon about the entire story that we'll be talking about this morning. But I wanted to to hone in on just those few verses. So it's chapter 11, the book of John, chapter 11, verses 20 through 26. And hear these words. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him while Mary remained in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Martha replied, I know that he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though they die. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? This is the word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is the most astounding confession of faith in the Bible. Martha's brother is dead. Jesus asked her if she believes if he is the resurrection and the life. We hear verse 25 and 26 a lot in funerals. Every time we hear it, though, we forget about where its context comes from. Jesus is talking to a very real person with a very real grief and asks her if she trusts him. And then she says, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. Now, up to now, all the narratives of Jesus' life, this is theologically the highest profession of faith. No human being has ever called Jesus the Son of God. Many other names, but not 
the Son of God. But Martha does. I absolutely love this. The profession of faith by a woman, first and foremost. You are the Son of God. I think that's pretty cool to start this off this way. Now I want to ask you something. It would be interesting to poll the whole congregation and ask, what do you think is the hardest problem to handle in the Christian life? Your answer might be different than mine. For me, the hardest problem I have to handle as a Christian is what to do when God does not do what I have been taught to expect him to do. When God gets out of line and does not act the way I think, you know, the way I think God should act. We have an occasion like that in this story of raising of Lazarus. John introduces this, la this last of the great miracles of Jesus in chapter 11 in these words. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent him saying, Lord, he who, who, who you love is ill. When the message reached Jesus, this was his remarkable response. The illness is not unto death, but it is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by means of it. The remarkable thing about that is, if you carefully check out the schedule of timing of this event, Lazarus was already dead when the message got to Jesus. It took two days for the messenger to get to the Jordan. So when Jesus returned to Bethany, Lazarus had been dead four days. It is difficult for us to believe that Jesus did not know that because of the insight of the Spirit of God had given him on many occasions, so many times, that Jesus, you know, it's hard for us to believe that Jesus didn't know that. But he sees this as a signal from God that something tremendous is going to happen in connection so he sent back this remarkable word. The illness is not unto death. That's what he told the messenger to go back and tell the two sisters. In verse 5 and 6, we get the real shocker here. Because however, when we read, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two more days where he was at. This is incredible to me. That is the part of the story which is hard to handle. Martha loved Jesus, Mary loved Jesus, Lazarus loved Jesus, and Jesus loved them very much. From the scripture we know that their home was filled with love and that it was one of the most welcome havens for our Lord during the three years of his ministry. Jesus looked at their home as home in his heart. But when Jesus heard Lazarus was sick, what does he do? He waits. It is a tough thing to believe that Jesus deliberately waited. We are so used to critical illness being a signal for immediate action. I was just sitting here thinking, if Matt falls on those crutches while we're, we are recording, I'm going to scream and mess up this whole recording. And to think that Lazarus was sick. 
When we hear of a critical illness, we think of wailing sirens and flashing red lights and frantic phone calls and a speeding off to the hospital. It seems incredible that Jesus, knowing that his friend was ill, or in this case dead, nevertheless stayed right where he was for two more days. Somebody may say, well, you know, if he, he knows Lazarus is, was dead, why would he hurry? There's nothing much he could do. There's no rush. But remember, Mary and Martha's heart is breaking. This was a dearly loved brother and a dear friend of Jesus. And his death would be a grieved, grieved loss to them. And Jesus' presence with them would have been a tremendous comfort, even though he never did a thing about raising Lazarus from the dead. They just wanted Jesus there to be in comfort with them. Yet knowing that, they needed him to, to comfort them, knowing that they longed to have him there to point that they sent a messenger to let him know the situation. He deliberately remained two days longer at the place where he was. Why? I've thought about this. Why did Jesus do that? Why? When you have gone to God for help, which you, which you feel you desperately need and nothing happens, when your heart is breaking over something and you, and you need God to intervene, but there is silence, there is no change in sight. It is tough to understand, tough to accept, tough to wrap your mind and heart around it. Why? Why is nothing happening? And we wait. Jesus deliberately waited going to Mary and Martha because he loved them and knew this would strengthen their faith as they learned the ultimate outcome which God would work through him. This is a hard lesson to accept. I have struggled over this many times myself, but it works. Something we expect and long for does not occur and then BAM! Sometime after we think that everything is lost and there is no hope, God does something remarkable that is totally reverses our view. I love what Barb Bruce says in her book about this. When God says no, I must let go of God. I must let go so God can reposition me for his better blessing. Let me repeat that. When God says no, I must let go so God can reposition me for his better blessing. What do you think the reaction of Martha and Mary was when the messenger returned home back to them? And now Lazarus was dead, remember? And Jesus said, the illness is not unto death. And yet Lazarus has already been dead for two days. How do you think they felt? Hmm. According to the account, two days later, Jesus acts. He gets up and he starts moving. He says to his disciples, let us go back to, to Judea. One, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. Let's go. Now the disciples, who had every reason to believe that if they returned to Judea, to Judea that Jesus would be stoned to death rise up against his decision, and they say, now wait a minute, wait a minute, Jesus. If he's just fallen asleep, he'll recover, you know, he'll wake up. To which Jesus replies, 
Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. Notice that Jesus says he was glad he was not there when Lazarus died for the sake of the disciples. Just as Jesus delayed his going for Mary and Martha in order that their faith might be strengthened by that delay so that they might see his glory in it, what will happen because of it, so he is delayed as well for the sake of the disciples that they might believe too. I want to tell you, there have been times when I have cried out to God for help and said, hey, things are so, so bad. It can't get any worse. Lord, do something. Help me. But no answer came. That is hard. It's hard to believe. It's just hard to wait. But I am gradually learning that this is never the end of the story. I'm glad, gradually learning that God said so clearly through the prophet Isaiah, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. That is what is so difficult. God is sovereign. God is not mortal. That God should act like we act. There are dimensions of the problems which God sees that we cannot even imagine. There are possibilities and opportunities in every situation that we cannot conceive of. So we must wait and quietly trust, knowing that God is working out something better to finish our story. God has our whole story. We must declare that our story is for God's glory. Let me repeat that. We must declare that our story is for God's glory, not ours. You might want to write that down and put it on the refrigerator. When I was a small child, I would get to spend the night with my grandmother sometimes, and she lived out in the country. And on Sunday mornings, she'd get me up bright and early and dress me up and find in my dress clothes, and, and away we would go into town. And as she drove, I could see her holding that steering wheel. And as she drove into town, she would always sing, I love to tell the story. And I would watch her smiling, and I would just listen to her. And she would catch me staring at her. And sometimes, more than once, she'd look at me and she'd say, Little girl, you'll have a story to tell someday. Amen to that. God is working on my story for God's glory. As we go into the story, as Jesus arrives at the outskirts of Bethany, we see that Martha greets Jesus with a phrase, that must have been frequently on all their lips the past few days as Lazarus was sick. How many times they must have said, oh, oh, if Jesus were only here. They had said it so many times that it comes automatically to Martha's lips when she meets him. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I don't think Martha's mad. I don't think she's saying, why don't, why don't you come sooner? I think, you know, it's clear she knew the message. 
and had met Jesus when, when Lazarus had died. I think Martha's words are regret. Lord, I wish you could have been here because if you had, my brother would have not died. I think it's regret. But then she goes on to say, but even now, even now, whatever you ask of God, he will give it to you. Jesus responds, your brother will rise again. If Martha had any idea what would happen then, she would have said, how wonderful, Lord. That's exactly what I expected you to do now that you have come. But she does not say that. What she says is, yes, yes, I know. He will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Martha's not saying, Lord, why didn't you come sooner? We sent for you. If you had responded, we wouldn't be in this pickle. It is clear from this account that she realizes that the message did not reach him until Lazarus was dead. And Martha's word, rather, is one of regret. Lord, I wish you could have been here. Because if you had, my brother would have not died. How often are we in the same position with regret to the Lord's work in our lives? In our brokenness? In our hour, in our hour of experience of, of grief? In our despair? We cry out. As Mary wept, we weep. And we expect nothing. Nothing but more heartache for today and for as long as we live and breathe. We just expect grief and pain. Jesus wept too. It says that, that Jesus asked where they had laid Lazarus and he started out to the tomb. In the shortest verse in the Bible, John eleven thirty five, Jesus wept. Jesus cries, I think, not because he loves Lazarus, not because Lazarus has died, for he knows what he is about to do. He cries because Mary cries. He cries because he is sharing the heartache of the sisters, because he sympathizes with them in their pain. More than once, with more than one of you, I have sat in your pain and sat with you, and I've cried. I've cried out, and I've held your hands, and I've said, Oh my goodness, I am not good at this preacher thing. I feel your pain as we sit and we wait. Now we come to the actual miracle, and Jesus deeply is moved again. He's come to the tomb, and it was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. Move the stone. Now Martha speaks up. Lord, by this time, there's going to be a smell. By this time, it's been four days. He's been dead. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you? If you would believe, you would see the glory of God. Did I not tell you? So they took away the stone. I love how Jesus responds to her. He doesn't get on to her. He just encourages her with, remember what I said? Remember who I am? Then Jesus turns to the great miracle. He begins with a simple prayer. 
Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Notice the many times in this account that what Jesus did, he did for the sake of the ones all involved. When he said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with bandages, and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. What does that miracle say to us this morning? We must know that forever know we face in this life, we have a hope for a better future. We must know that for every no we face in this life, we have, we hope for a better future. Barb Bruce in her book says, When I walk by faith, my waiting story will have evidence of God's glory. And what a beautiful story that is. I'll close with this story. There was a little girl who was born in a, with a, to a young couple in Morristown, Tennessee, but things weren't right, and she had been whisked off to a larger hospital in Knoxville. And the days dragged on, and this little baby just wasn't improving at all. In fact, she was getting worse and worse by the day. And the doctors told the young couple that it didn't look like she was going to make it and they should make some arrangements and, and be prepared in their hearts and their minds. So they contacted a local cemetery and bought a burial plot and made arrangements for the baby's funeral. Now all the time, their little boy, three-year-old named Michael, begged, Mommy and Daddy, let me sing to my little sister. I want to sing to my little sister. But little kids weren't allowed in the neonatal ICU part of the hospital. And slowly the little girl got worse and worse, and Michael persisted. Please let me sing to her. Finally, the parents realized that this would be the only time he would ever see his little sister alive. And so they persuaded the nurses to let him in. So that day, the nurses guided them in and left the family alone, pulling the curtain around the baby and the family for some privacy. Michael got close to the incubator, as close as he could, and he began to sing softly. You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. A song his father had sung to his mama he had heard every morning for so long, it was embedded, and that was the song that he knew. As he was singing and singing and singing, the nurses burst into the room, threw the curtain back and said, what are you doing? What is happening? The parents began to apologize, saying, you know, he, he just wants to sing and he's up close and he just wants to sing to her just a little bit. But the nurses said, no, no, no. The vital signs on the monitor are going crazy, and they're beginning to improve. Keep him singing. I'm calling the doctors. 
So, Michael still sang, You'll never know, dear, how much I love you. Please don't take my sunshine away. The little girl's ragged breath became steady. And it smoothed out. And even the head nurse got tears in her eyes. And she came in with a notebook and, and paper and, and was taking notes, hardly believing what was happening. Well, the next day, the funeral, funeral plans were scrapped. Several days later, the baby went home. All because of a three-year-old little boy named Michael, who was a brother, who took the lead, acting like our Heavenly Father and wouldn't lose hope, and wouldn't give up, and waited. Revelations 21.4 He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. There will be no mourning, crying, or pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Always, always remember, God's better blessing is and always will be Life with God, peace with God, joy with God, and most of all, eternal hope with God. Amen. God loves you, and so do I. Thank you for listening to Tahlequah United Methodist Church's sermon podcast. We hope you have a good week, and we ask that you connect with us online at TahlequahUMC.org. Thank you, and have a good day.